I enjoy preaching in the morning, but there is something about getting into a book in the evening service. I, I just, I, 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 I like it. I like to just plow through that and see the truth, especially in a book like the book of Colossians. There, there are four letters of Paul that just really, they, they, they rejoice my heart. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians speak volumes. So there might be some that say, well, you know, we're not going to get a whole lot from this. You can. You ought to. Because there is much in this that counts when it comes to your salvation, uh, to God's plan for us. It's, it's great. By the way, Mike, I am so looking forward. When you get back from India, I am so looking forward. You're, you're going to take a whole service, and I want to see all your pictures. I want to see all of that. That that is such that place is such a blessing, and uh, Brother Charian and the whole group there are just a joy. It just I love them. Uh, we with the connection we've had for so long. My soul, honey, that's been that's been uh, actually because he was there before you and I got married. So that's we're. we're we're kicking in close to 44 years or so. So that's, uh, that, that's, really, that's really something. All right. So good to have you here. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Let's pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to guide our hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would indeed give us ears to hear and heart to understand. Lord, guide me in this. Pray that we would grasp the truth here. Lord, I, I, think of, I think of people that are being led astray because of those that have purposely twisted, distorted truth that is found in your word. So, Lord, help us to rightly divide the word of truth tonight. Help us to discern. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I, in, in some ways, I would almost like to take, you know, have people, count, you know, just comment or ask questions. I don't want to get into a big discussion. After all, it's the Sunday evening service. But this is the kind, honestly, this is the kind of message I'd like for us to all be sitting around in a circle, you know, and just say, hey, let's let's dive into this. So what we're going to do, we're going to go into, we're, we're going to read the verses that we're going to be looking at tonight, and then we're going to go through them slowly but surely. Again, we're not going to be going to the end of the chapter. We're actually only going to be doing six, seven verses tonight uh, because I can't go beyond that. I don't want to take another hour, and it would... It really would take it. So Colossians chapter 2, if you would please go to verse 9. Now, we went through verse 10 last time we were here. Let's go to verse 9. Paul writes, For in him, in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, we talked this morning about having the fullness of God out of there, out of uh, Ephesians. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. 
in whom also, also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You know, I think one of the reasons why I like going through places like this is because I like to get things, you know, where, where we set straight where truth is. Uh, there's, there's a couple of people online that I like to listen to. This one young man in particular, and he's a good guy. He really is. This one young man, he brought out truth uh, concerning a situation. I'm not going to go into it. But he brought out truth in something. And it hit a nerve. You know, it's amazing how many people out there, they're not living by doctrine, they're living by feelings. And you touch one of their sacred cows, and these people who claim the name of Christ will absolutely come after you. They will shred you. And it's like, what, what, wait a minute, you know, Whatever happened to, thus saith the Lord. Um, there are, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this, okay? There are two men that are going to be coming to a church that is not too far from this church. And both of those men teach a damnable heresy, saying that we become God. That there's a God in us that, that when, you know, as we grow, when we grow, when we're in Christ, you know, it's us too. That is wretched. That is wicked. If you want to know what I'm talking about, we'll talk after we're on. It's, it's just that I don't want, I don't want a bunch of people. If somebody gets a hold of this and they attack us, I mean, I don't mind being attacked, but I just don't want to get involved in that thing right now. But it breaks my heart. When we think of the compromise, when we think of the distorting of Scripture that takes place, I don't know about you, but by God's grace, to just put it simply, I want to get it right. I mean, it's salvation by faith alone through Christ alone. Some people have come to this and they've added a few other scriptures and they've said, well, see, you know, it, it's, you got to get baptized in order to be saved. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, you, you know, you, you know, um, we, we've, we've, we've got to have Christ 
plus keeping the law. No, Christ took the law and nailed it to his cross. It's a, whoa, how do you live? You know, he shows us. I, I like, I, oh, I forget who it was, and I'm getting ahead of myself now, but I might as well. <clears throat> but um, a guy challenged, oh, my soul, who was it? He says, what, you, you mean I'm only supposed to live? I, I don't have to te- keep the Ten Commandments. I just, I just live by, I, I can do what I please? And the man said, well, let me ask you something. You trusted Christ, right? Yes. You, uh, you turned, and, and you have turned from the flesh. You've turned to the Lord. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and so you're, you're, you have the Spirit. And you want to live Christ, right? Yeah. Well, what pleases you? And all of a sudden, are we doing okay there? Okay. So, let's go back if we could. Look again at verse 9. For in him, again, in Christ, the focus is Christ. Listen, you wind up, you wind up in biblical Christianity. And it all leads to him, to Christ. For in him dwelleth all of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now remember, Paul, while he was writing, he was writing mindful of people that were seeking, like the verse we saw this morning, to seduce people away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And, and, and by the way, I because there are those that are close to me when it comes to family that have gone through this, it angers me. Let's keep going. So look at that word fullness. Fullness means, you, you look it up in Greek dictionary and stuff, quote, the sum total of all that God is, all his, of, of his being and his attributes. You don't need to add anything. You don't need, you don't need a wisdom of an elite few. You don't need what people come along and say, hey, I found I found a hidden truth. No, you didn't. You found Satan's lie. This word, fullness, see, this word fullness was used by the Gnostics. But just like cults and false teachers today, when they'll use a word, they'll change the dictionary. you got to check out their dictionary. And ye are complete in him. What Paul was saying, look at verse 10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head, again, pointing to Christ, of all principality and power. Christ is all. Ye are complete in him. That indicates this, that the fullness that you have in Christ is a permanent experience. It's not Christ plus. Now, you know, somebody might think, you know, preacher, why do you keep emphasizing this? Because Satan is absolutely busy 
distorting all over the place. He's doing it with what God did in the creation. He made them male and female. But if he can't get it done there, he can sow seeds of doubt and discouragement and and false doctrine in the church. I don't know about you, but I look and sometimes it just flat out breaks my heart when you when you see situations where a church or a college that was that was founded on the plain and simple yet astounding power of God that is found in the gospel when it has gone wayward. And that's just, you know, that that hurts. That absolutely hurts. Brother Mike Schrock and I were talking about that when uh, when he was here. If it's not a college, sometimes you wind up, you, you wonder what's happened to a certain pastor, and you ask about him, and then you wish you hadn't asked. You know? There's two men that I know that have pastored in Sacramento that aren't even going to church anymore. And I believe God had... had I, I got to be careful with this because somebody might come along and say, well, you know, what about this, this, and this? I understand that. But it breaks my heart. I read in the Scriptures, you know, you've got to be careful. You have a testimony for the Lord, be it a pastor or a teacher or just a man of God in the church. You've got to be careful because there are people watching you. You Seriously, you get to thinking about it. Even those little kids, Ted, you know, they're looking at you. Oh, mercy. God help us. So one thing that Paul does here that I want to stress, make much of your godly provisions. Make much of your godly provisions. See, I, I again, there, there's guys sometimes I'll just kind of scope out a little bit online. And they're preppers. Anybody a prepper here? You know, you have your, you know, you, you've got your, your three day sack and, and your backpack and your 10 day backpack, you know? And then of course, we know if everything just absolutely crashes, we're all going to be jumping in, in, uh, Carrie's truck. By the way, I got to tell you, and <laughs> oh well, we'll put this online. So, you know, we're going to be going out. We're, we're flying to Minnesota, and then we're flying into, um, hello. Oh yeah, in April. Yeah, so in April. Yeah, we're it, nothing. So, but but we're going. By the way, I'm not going to be here in February. I, I have been hired to be a servant for the tequilas. Uh, this, this is going to be great, man. Oh, I'll tell you what. So, <laughs> no, but anyway, um, so we're, we're flying into, into Minneapolis, and then we're going to fly into Charlotte to see uh, her sister and her husband, and uh, then we're going to go see Antonio, and so I'm going to be renting a vehicle. Wouldn't you know it? The best prices are with budget through Costco. And I'm going down and I'm looking at the vehicles, and then it says full size pickup truck. 
for a better price than other vehicles, and they rent the Ram Rebel. I'm praying about it. <laughs> but it says, you know, make much of your godly provision. Now, now, I don't know what it is that maybe, you know, you've got in your family that people have gotten off on this and they've gotten off on that, you know, whatever. What the Colossian, what the Colossian church was, was dealing with, that there were several elements. There was the, the oriental mysticism. There were some, again, this was in the culture, astrology, there was philosophy, and then there was Jewish legalism. And all this was around challenging and clouding the gospel. And we have the same thing here. Now remember, in the, in the book of Hebrews, Paul is going straight to the Jews and saying, listen, you've got to understand all that that was in the temple, all of the, you know, the whole, the, 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 uh, uh, the sacrifices, the special days, they all look to Christ. You are complete in Him, not traditions. And see, we've got people today that are telling Christians in America, you're not saved unless you're following the Pauline epistles. I say, where are they? Well, you know, th this is what we surmise that they are. You liar. You have no idea what you're talking about. I'm getting a little close to what I'm talking about. Gnostic, now let me just get into this a little bit, please. Gnostic legalism was, was not quite the same as that in Judaism. Let me explain. The Jewish teachers that Paul attacked in Galatians insisted that, and he speaks about circumcision, circumcision and obedience to the law were necessary for salvation. We've got people that are teaching that today, that there are certain things they're necessary. You know, you Christ plus the law. The Gnostics said, well, that will just help you become more spiritual. And this is what happens. Well, you know, you're in Christ, but you'd better take the law with you. And you know, if you follow the law, you're going to be a good Christian. Well, now, wait a minute. We don't want people that are thieves, right? We, we, don't want, we don't want people that are committing adultery. We don't want people that, you know, uh, that are, uh, I could go, I could go on and on. You understand? This is what, this is what happens. There can wind up being a group that is kind of, again, spiritual elitist that will say, You'll be a better Christian if you do what we tell you. And oh, by the way, we think we can, we think we can base it from scripture. There's stuff. Now, now I'm, look, I'm going to make a statement and I might get some people riled up with me on this. I use the King James version of the Bible. 
I believe that the best basis for the book is the traditional text. I believe that. But I also know Christians that use the New King James. And you know something? They're good Christians. Now, do I stick with this? Absolutely. But folks, sometimes be careful. Be careful. We've got people here that believe in the post-trib rapture of the church. I don't. But they're good Christians. They serve the Lord as well. You know, we, we've, we've got to be careful. Now, if somebody came along and they said, well, Christ isn't coming. <laughs> Wrong-o, because he said he's coming. Let's go down a list here that Paul started with the church at Colossae. Look at verse 11. First of all, he says, we're going to talk about circumcision. In whom also ye, ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Physically, they were, the babies were, the male children, male babies were circumcised. He's saying, look, this is a thing being set apart. That's not how we're set apart now, he's saying. And putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Look, the Jewish people were depending, they were dependent on the physical and not the spiritual. Now, we can do the same thing. I'm going to be talking over the heads of a few people, but for those of you that, I, one of these days i got to come to church and i got to wear that shirt. It's weird being the same age as old people. But you know, those of us who were blessed to go through the 60s and you were in a Bible-preaching conservative church, you know, and all of a sudden, here came long hair, sideburns, and flares and clothes that were weird as the day is long when it comes to, you know, different stuff. And the music, so much was changing. And all of a sudden it's like, wait, wait a minute, what, 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 what's, what's going on here? Well, Satan is behind all of it. First of all, Satan loves confusion. But what it takes is a godly discernment. Okay, now wait a minute. Let, let's, let's watch out here. For instance... In the 60s, a beard was a statement of rebellion. It's not that anymore. If it was, I'd shave this thing. But it was a statement of rebellion. I think it's funny how long hair came in, and now all these guys, they cut their hair short, if they have hair. I, I, I like going, there, there's a fellow that's sharing the room with Ed, uh, Ed Brandenburg, and uh nice gentleman, and he shaves his head, and I and I said, Hey, you, you got the same haircut my son has. And he says, Yeah, he's probably we probably got the same barber too. That's true, you know. 
We are not dependent on the physical. But we are to let our light so shine before men. Listen, God warned his people in the Old Testament, be careful about this. Deuteronomy 10.16, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. You're set aside. You're, you're, you're set aside especially for him. And the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Then, okay, circumcised in him, but what happens even then is we come alive in him. What the law could not do, Christ did it all. He did it all. Look at verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. Now listen. In the New Testament, the word baptized, which means to dip, to immerse, had two uses, the physical and the figurative, the literal and then the figurative. For instance, if you go to 1 Corinthians 10, and we're not going to turn there, Paul talks about how the children of Israel were baptized unto Moses when they crossed and went into the promised land. Paul used the word baptism in a figurative sense in this section here. Baptism by immersion is a picture of the the spiritual experience. It broke my heart when I was teaching Mike, at the, at the high school that you went to in Hayward, we had kids from several different places. There was a young lady that was in my Bible class, and I asked her, I said, listen, when you die and go into eternity, and they ask you why you should come into heaven, what would you say that you trusted Christ as your Savior or your baptism? And she said, my baptism, that's not salvation. And that broke my heart. That absolutely broke my heart. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. The focus is not the water. The water doesn't do anything for you. 
The obedience does. And there we go. Now, when we picture that baptism, we picture, when we picture the death of Christ, we immerse. Because that's what death is. You're, you're laid out, you, you did. But then now you're alive in Christ. Now, there's places, there's places here that sometimes we might think of people, boy, it really gets touchy. Again, this, there's the need for letting the word of God interpret itself. You find here that when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he arose again, we arose with him. How? Through the faith of the operation of God. Period. It's the power of God that changes us, not the power of water. Since we're identified with Christ and he is the fullness of God, let me ask you something, please. What more do we need? I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. I really am. But then you wind up going to this place, and boy, all of a sudden the ears open up. Look at verse 14. Now we're talking about we are free from the law in him, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. I tell you, I did a study on this one time. It was really fascinating. I went to, I think it was Wiest. I don't think it was Vincent. But they brought out this truth. They brought this out. That in baptism, the full scope of the meaning is this. Taking something and putting it in a new environment so that its relationship with the previous environment completely changes. Now look, the uh, the law, like Roger has brought out sometimes, the law literally was the pointing finger, pointing us to Christ. Now we are in Christ. The law can no longer condemn us. It has done its job. This is where sometimes I, I, I hurt for people. Because they say, well, if, if it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know how to live. Folks, that's a lie. We are not led by the law. We are led by the Spirit of God. We have the teaching of the New Testament. We know how to live. I don't need the law to tell me thou shalt not steal. I have Christ. I have the Spirit of God. I have, and you have, the triune God dwelling in us. I guarantee you that God, through His Word, is showing us how to live, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. 
so here we are. We, we have come into Christ. Our relationship with the law has changed, but it's more than that. Now he has taken that law and he nailed it to the cross with him. It cannot do me any more harm. It can't condemn me because I'm forgiven of my sin. I'm forgiven. Past, present, and future. Well, do you sin in the future? Yeah. But when you look at 1 John 1, it's all about fellowship. It's not a thing of, well, you got to get saved all over again. No, that's not the case. Which was contrary to us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Again, the law was against us. It was impossible for any human being to meet the demands of the law. We hear the, we hear the disciples talking about this in the book of Acts. You can't keep it. You can't keep it. Peter said that. <laughs> Why in the world are we teaching the Gentiles? You know, they got to live by that. We couldn't do it, guys. So they gave the New Testament Christians, at that point, guidelines to live by. The Holy Spirit then came, listen, we're alive in Him. Now, Romans chapter 2, for when the Gentiles, verse 14, for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Guess what? We know what was right and wrong. We knew it. Christ canceled our debt that was against us because of our disobedience. He canceled it. How could a holy God be just in canceling the debt? If a judge came along and said, okay, don't worry about it. He, he's not being, that cheapens the law. He's not going to. But God just didn't say, all right, you're all forgiven. No. Christ paid the penalty because God is a holy God. I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, it is going to be absolutely stunning to have this all coming on us. Now, I mean, you know, coming and, and we're, we're seeing it in three dimensions. But even now, we can understand enough. Listen. Romans 6, in giving the gospel, we come to this. We are not under the law, but under grace. Now, again, people say, all right, yeah, I know who you are. You're one of those grace people. You just say that, you know, people can go out and, and live any way they want. No, wait a minute. You and I have the Holy Spirit in us. He is telling us how to live. Again, I emphasize that. Grace is not an excuse to sin. And again, I believe I, I there's stuff and, and please be careful what you get in a Bible bookstore. They'll sell just about anything. Grace is not I'm free. There was a uh, there was a seminary. Back in the uh, back in the sixties and seventies, especially, 
where there were some graduates, there were graduates from the Bible college that my wife and I went to, there were guys going there. And this kind of teaching was going on. This is no joke, to the point that basically you had some seminary, quote-unquote, professors that were living like they wanted to. I mean, there was some, they're, they're coming in smoking, you know, no problem. And one of them got up and made an announcement he was leaving his wife. He was going to go, cha- he, he was going to go marry another woman. Well, you know, because Christ paid for all sin. Wait a minute. I'm complete in Him. My God is not going to throw away His holiness. Let's recognize this, and we're almost done. We are victorious, not because we keep the law, but because we have a Savior. 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When Christ was getting ready to go to the cross, he said in John 12, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. We have victory in Christ. Watch this. Jesus had three of them, and we participate. First of all, he spoiled principalities and powers. In other words, he stripped Satan and all his entourage of all the power that they have. All of it. Why do people fall? Because Satan lives by the lie. He's still saying, Yea, hath God said. You hear that? Some people, and, and we've got to be, folks, we've got to be careful on this. Some people are looking for this. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to live. Well, you know, I can do that. But rather, it would be this. You don't have to fear Satan anymore. You fear God. You obey His Spirit. That's how you live now. Jesus came. He spoiled. He stripped Satan. Satan cannot harm the believer right now who will not harm himself. In other words, by thinking something, you know, crazy. It's when we cease to watch and pray, like Peter did, by the way, that Satan can use his weapons against us. Otherwise, we have the armor of God. Secondly, he made a show of them openly. He exposed Satan for who he is and how he deceived and how he has fought us. 
you know what's really bad? You know what's hard? Oh, my soul. Don't you just, sometimes you just cringe. We're looking at people in the world today, and really, we can tell. <laughs> I miss my sister. My sister, Randy. She died several years ago. She was four and a half years younger than me. Okay, I grow up. I'm learning. I'm learning the. Uh, uh, th- this is how you try to get away with something here and there, and then you know, mom and dad. It's like, all right, you are in a world of hurt. Then my sister comes along, and she starts doing some of this stuff, and they're acquiescing to it. And I'm saying, listen. I know exactly what she's doing. I did it too. I, I know why, you know, she's saying this, doing that, you know, bringing the tear, you know, all that. I know what she's doing. We look out in the world and we go, we know what Satan's doing to you. We know it. We know his lies. And it's driving us crazy that you're believing. And they look back at you and, no, you, you, you don't know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, we're the crazy ones because we say, hey, he made them male and female. Can you believe how wicked it has gotten? That's why it is, Larry. Praise God. We're complete in him, and we know. Amen, brother? Spoiled principalities and powers. We can see it. We have the word of God. I love Second Peter. Uh, Mike Kelly, Mike Kelly, I'm sorry, forgive me, brother. Mike Schrock was talking about Second Peter 1. I love Second Peter 1. There's so much that Peter tells us, again, about this battle. Jesus made a show of them openly. Paul talks about this elsewhere to the church at Corinth. He, he, he exposes Satan's deceit. And in the triumph, he's doing what they used to do in Rome. He's got them on display. And he's saying, see, this is his triumph. Look at what I have done for you. Look at how I have shown you. This is your enemy. And this is how he deceives. And he's defeated. You and I share in the victory that Christ has over the wicked one. This is why Satan so despises the cross because of everything he lost that night when Christ rose again. He thought he had him. (laughs) No, he didn't. No, he didn't. That's why, again, we're to put on the power, excuse me, we're to put on the whole armor of God. Half of it's already on us anyway. Then we pick up the rest. I, uh, this this is why I pray, you know, Lord, help us to be wise. I cringe. 
when I think of how the wicked one sometimes can just work his, his way into us because we believed a lie. Don't want to do that. We're going to have a much, it's, it's really going to be something when we get into the rest of that chapter. But it's going to be three weeks from now. So, anyway. 